Hi, and welcome to episode 55 of the Studio Insider Art Podcast. In today's studio chat, I connect with abstract artist Rachel Jackson. Rachel's career has simply exploded during 2020, allowing her to realize her long-held dream of becoming a full-time artist. Over a cuppa in my studio, we chat about how she took the leap toward this dream once she became an empty nester, and how she sold over 200 paintings in 2020 through retail stores. This is one inspiring interview for all the emerging artists out there. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, this is Susan Nethercote, and welcome to the Studio Insider Art Podcast. In these episodes, I throw open the doors to my art studio practice and how I run my business as a professional artist. Whether it be candid insider chats with my studio assistants, Laura and Steph, or interviews with other creatives, or answering listener questions, there is something here for every emerging artist. I hope my journey can help you feel a bit more at home in your own. Hi everyone, I'm so excited to be here today. I've got two gorgeous girls in the studio with me today. I've got Steph. And we have a beautiful guest here today. We have Rach Jackson. Hi Rach. Hi Suze, how are you going? I'm good, how are you? Good, thank you. Rach is our interviewee for this week and she actually lives locally here in Ballarat. So we thought, what an opportunity to come over and hang out together and do like have a three-way conversation because I've been wanting to talk to you for ages. Very exciting. Now, Rach has had her art business really blossom and grow a lot over the last year. And I have just been watching from the background for a few months now. I think you've known Rach for a bit longer than I have. Yeah, actually, Rachel is probably one of the first people in this area that I met. And that would have been like 12 odd years ago. We were in a craft group together a very long time ago yeah i was trying to remember when we first met but i couldn't remember the exact first meeting but yeah long time a while ago yeah so you guys have been known each other for ages well i've only really just learned about you since discovering your beautiful art on instagram where you've had heaps of growth Mm -hmm. and most beautiful work coming through so thanks so much for coming and being with us today oh it's an honor thank you very much for having me So why don't we just start off with you letting everyone know what it is that you do and how you came to painting because you came to painting as a career a bit later in life. So Mm -hmm. I love your story. It's very inspiring. Thank you. Um, Yeah, so I guess I do quite colourful, abstract work. Um, It's something that's kind of evolved over the years. I've painted since I was a teenager, but yeah, didn't really do much when my kids were younger. I didn't really feel like I had much time. So Mm. now my kids are adults. So I sort of got more into it since they've grown older. It was my way of coping with them getting older. Yeah, (laughs) we were just talking about that. You were saying how it was really nice when you were sort of going through that empty nester sort of phase. Yes. That you had something to put your energy into that was really exciting. Yeah, I was quite nervous about what I was going to do with myself and you know, like you get to that point where you've looked after little kids for so long and your life kind of changes and the meaning of it changes kind of. Like for so long I was mum, you know, and that was my main priority. And yeah. I did do a lot of other creative things, you know, in, in the process, but um, it changed a lot 
when the kids were probably 15 and 17 Mm. and I really felt like I needed to work on myself because I was sort of sitting at home by myself and not having kids run up to me and keep me busy so I was like I need to fill my time somehow and I always knew that I loved art and I wanted to get back into that so I thought best opportunity to just go for it. So how did you first edge your way back into making art again and sort of taking it a bit more seriously? Um, I first started painting um, probably like more seriously about four years ago. I started doing um, animal portraits of all things. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't actually know that I could paint animals before that. I painted my dad's cats for him for Christmas and I thought, I can actually do this. (laughs) So that sort of took off for a little bit. I just did that, you know, in my spare time. But it wasn't really a big passion And I knew that it wasn't going to, you know, allow me to do art full-time. So, yeah, at the end of last year, I started getting a real niggle to paint abstract. Okay. And it just came out of nowhere, but it was really strong. Yes. And I just couldn't ignore it. So I just started painting and and I haven't stopped since. It's it's bizarre, but it just kind of came to me. Yeah. yeah so and you're really prolific like you you have done a lot of work in a very short period of time how many paintings roughly would you say you've done since you started that abstract work um well I know how many I've done because I wrote them all down wow she's an organized one (laughs) this year my word for the year was prolific ah well it worked (laughs) yeah so I decided because um I I did post about this the other day. Actually I read always, it, I think. Yeah, yeah. I always beat myself up and say, you're not doing enough, you know. Even though I'm busy all the time, I, I couldn't get my head around that I was doing enough. So, I, yeah, I, for the whole year I've kept track of my paintings. And I counted the other day I've done 260 so far this wow. year. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. All different sizes, you know. Some are just little. A lot of little mini ones. But, mm-hmm. yeah, that's... And it really helped to keep track of that because otherwise I'd be just like, oh, I don't know, like probably not that many, you know, I haven't done mm. <laughs> as I much love as that. I have, but. I love that awareness around that tendency you have to beat yourself up and how you've put something in place so that you can actively give yourself accurate information yeah. and stop doing that. That is so cool. I love that. I still do that, but I was, it's well, sort of... <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing with any of those old patterns, yeah, isn't it? Like, yeah. you, you don't, it's not like you stop doing them immediately, but the fact that you've built something in to yeah. help you to to learn a different behaviour around that is yeah. brilliant because yes. I think that's where all the power is, is in making those decisions like that. Mm. Ah, and your work is so your own. I absolutely love your Instagram feed. It's such a place of beauty and joy. What is your handle so everyone can go over and Um, have a look at you while they're listening to the interview? Because I know I like to do that. (laughs) It's just Rach Jackson Art. Yeah, and it's gorgeous. And you're doing pretty well over there. You've had quite big growth over the last year as well. Can you tell us about what that experience Um, has been like for you? It's been pretty surreal. I don't think it really has ever sunk in every now and then I look at it and go what (laughs) but I don't know how it really happened I've just posted regularly and I guess it's I don't know the hashtags the content the just kind of keeping it um consistent yes 
It is very consistent. And there's so much joy there present as well. It's a real place of positivity and joy. Yeah. Yeah. I love those, those colors. I feel like they're just happiness, like the bright pastels Mm -hmm. makes me feel happy. So (laughs) make other people feel happy too. Yeah. It feels like you've really nailed down into your style and your color palette and Mm. really evolved a strong, feeling and direction about yeah. your art yeah yeah I feel like I'm on the right track now. absolutely feeling good. yeah yeah and something else that you've done and this is something we've talked a little about with with Steph and mm-hmm. the way that she's approached selling her art is you've also sold a bit through a retailer in Melbourne and that's been really helpful for well, you I guys. learned that from yeah. H that yeah was <laughs> give her credit <laughs> And it's becoming very successful for you also, Steph. So I'm really interested in talking about this a little Mm. bit. Yeah. um, yeah. Because, you know, this is a a direction that artists can move in that's a little bit less traditional but Mm. is turning out to be really valuable. So do you want to talk a little bit about your experience with that and how it's helped you grow your business? Yeah, it's made, like, the world of difference, really. It sort of um, has allowed me to reach a lot more people, Um, it came about, oh, it was kind of a fluke. Well, talk about it the feels fluke. Like Come a fluke. on, just talk about it. Because sometimes when you unpack these so-called flukes in life, yeah. you actually discover that it wasn't a fluke, that it did involve certain steps that you took within the so-called well, fluke. Yes, yes. So, yeah. yeah. Um, well, the way that it came about was I was just following this certain shop on Instagram and interacting with posts and she sort of noticed my work that way and then contacted me and just wanted to try a couple of little paintings and they sold within an hour of her posting wow. so that was pretty nuts that's exciting i was in shock big time like i was with my mum <laughs> at that point was your work selling regularly via instagram or other places um i'd sold a few bits and pieces I was re- it was really early days, like okay. really early. It was yeah. actually just before the first lockdown. Okay. Or around around that time, actually, start of April. And yeah, I was I'd sold a couple of pieces, and that was it. And then, and then I sold those two, um, and then she wanted like as many as I could. So. It hasn't really stopped since then. Yeah, it just flowed on. So you've had a very productive lockdown period yeah yeah before lockdown i hadn't sold a single piece of abstract work oh wow so it's <laughs> so, really been in that yeah. last period of time yeah. that's incredible yeah. do you think there's something about the joy in your art that has attracted people to it during I these think times so. i think so i get a lot of messages about how my work makes people feel happy so mm. i think that's awesome like absolutely amazing yeah 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 that's and something i, I get fed back to me too it's a lovely feeling when people feed that back to you yeah. about your work yeah and i know that the owner of the store has said about your work that um a lot of people um have been purchasing those smaller pieces that you are really create a prolific in mm-hmm. um because it brings them joy in their home space but also gives them a really pretty background for their zoom course oh, yeah. <laughs> I have yes. sold a few for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's adorable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. how wonderful. Mm. So, because I know for Steph, that's been a wonderful avenue for her to pursue. And it felt really right for you yeah. as a business model to kind of go in that direction. And 
It's interesting, isn't it? Because it's sort of more tied up with the interiors world rather yeah. than the mm. art world. And yeah. it's a whole different ball game, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit freeing, I think. Yeah. Because you actually have a background in retail as one yeah. of your many careers you've had in life, right? <laughs> yeah. So was that, like, having had a, a homeware store of your own, mm-hmm. did that give you confidence to pursue that opportunity? Or did that yeah. help with that? Um, I think so. I don't think I really gave it much thought, to be honest. At the start, I just was like, yep, send it off and see what happens. But it definitely helped with my pricing and that sort of thing. Um, just sort of knowing how shops work mm. and it took a long time to sit there and figure out all the pricing and all that. But yeah, I think it's definitely helped having that background. I'd like to know, Rach, um, how many retailers you have now? How many people have your work and how many people are waiting for work? Because it sounds like they're keeping you busy. Um, I have about 18 shops on my list. What? But they don't all have work. There's some that have had some pieces that have sold and I might be in the process of making them more or they haven't asked for more yet. And some that is just on the list waiting for new pieces. Yeah. And are they are they pieces that you're selling on consignment or are you selling them to the retailers? So there's a mixture. Some yep. of them are just wholesale and some are consignment. So I've had to sort of work out my pricing mm-hmm. for both of those. So you do lists. different pricing for wholesale versus consignment? So with wholesale, like... For example, the shop that we've been talking about, she makes up her own prices. So I just have to give my price. This is what it's going to cost for you to buy my painting, for, for her to buy my painting. Mm-hmm. And then she'll just mark it as what whatever she, she wants. Yeah. So I kind of have to guess what she's might, might market at so that I can price my other shops similar in a way. Like, it's Yeah, kind of well, tricky. that's the tricky thing because I have a retail background as well. I used to own a clothing label, so... Um, but it's very it's very clean cut with clothing. It's pretty much 100% markup on on wholesale. Yeah. So, but I think it's a little bit different with the art. They're different. They don't take quite as big of a margin. Is that correct? I don't know. Depends, I had a conversation with someone. It? Are they all different? Um, yeah, but I sort of work out my pricing if it's around like 35% on top of what, mm-hmm. like I'm making off it, mm. sort of thing. Yeah. So then, yeah, if I do consignment that's you know my the price of the painting then they might take 30 to 40 percent of that Mm. so it's it's a tricky one but it is that's sort of i've stuck with about 35 percent so i can yeah that it's sort of the average yeah it's kind of easy to work it out that way so in terms of the evolution of your pricing we met up between lockdowns this year Mm. and you were talking about how the demand for your work had grown so much you were having to change your creative processes in terms of the materials and supplies you were using switching from framing your own work Mm because you're like a boss on the power tools which i love (laughs) (laughs) kindred spirit there um and you were having to then readjust all your pricing yeah but can you talk a bit about the evolution of that and where you're at now yeah so that um came about yeah like you said because i had a lot of orders um i remember at one stage i'd painted 30 paintings and i needed to frame them all Mm. and i had a meltdown because (laughs) i just didn't have time i didn't have time and it's not 
my most favorite job framing as much as I can do it I didn't look forward to it and it was going to take like two full days in the shed mm-hmm. and so I said to my husband I'm not doing it again that's it this is the last framing that I'm doing and I just had to um, make that decision to put a bit of money into buying pre-made canvases uh, not pre-made canvases I buy custom-made canvases and frames Right. That come as a package. They come together. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And then it just saves all this time and yeah. I've got the frames ready to go. Once I finish my painting I just screw it on the back and then it's done. So but it did cost a lot more, so mm-hmm. I had to adjust my pricing, but that's okay. It was still, you know, reasonably close to the start of mm. my journey, so it didn't affect mm. um too many shops or anything like that it's actually something i get asked a bit in questions from listeners about how do you handle price increases particularly artists that have had mm-hmm. their first sort of foray they've had a success and they've yep. sold most of their work and then they're like hmm i can't really do it for that yeah. price again i need to increase my prices yeah what advice would you give those people well i'm still learning about that myself mm. <laughs> Maybe you could just reflect just, a bit um, on your journey with it and yeah. how you've walked yourself through that process. Yeah, I guess I just I just made the decision to do it and I just had to do it. Otherwise, I would be losing money. And, yeah. Um, so I just I made my prices go up a little so it was enough to cover everything but not so much that it was a crazy, crazy difference. Mm. But um, I am planning on doing another price rise next year yeah but I guess it's one of those things where you just give a little bit of notice and then Mm. you just have to do it yeah I think so too and doing those incremental increases as well so that you know I think I think all artists should be putting their prices up regularly and increasing I went through a process of that earlier in the year actually when um, I decided to go on blue thumb and Mm -hmm. just expand my collector base that way and you know it's a 30 percent commission on those paintings and so I reviewed and increased prices and it's really nerve-wracking yeah it's a quite and that's quite a big increase um but yeah it just had to happen yeah well that's the the business to be viable it just comes down to at the end of the day am I willing to work for this much and if the answer is no it's just got to be done yeah and there are a lot of little costs like that that Mm. people don't think about at the start like Mm. if you're just painting yourself at home you might sell a couple of pieces but then you want to branch out like to blue thumb or to shops you need to make sure that you take into consideration their cut because Otherwise, you're not left with much. Hey, guys, just popping in to let you know that this is the final week you can get 20% off all art prints and e-courses in our big November birthday sale. You can claim your 20% off at the checkout when you use the code BIRTHDAY20, that's all in uppercase, but only until the 30th of November 2020. So hop to it. That's for all art prints over at SusanNethercoteStudio.com and all e-courses at SusanNethercoteStudio.com. And that code again, birthday20. See you over there. I noticed that you're on Blue Thumb and I think I saw some of your work on Art Edit as well. Was that an avenue mm. you explored and then the retail thing happened and you and that became a better avenue mm. for you or do you do all of them? or? 
Blue Thumb, I haven't really used very much. I think I put one item on there and I hadn't really, I just hadn't had time to mm. work on that. Um, and it sounds like you don't need to. I mean, you're mo- you're selling a lot of work. Mm. Yeah. It's in so I think I think Blue Thumb. I can't even really remember when that was, but it was probably one of the things that I started out like, yeah. and I was like, I'll do that, and then yeah, I've started selling, and I haven't really had much to put on there. With Art Edit, it was kind of the same. I had to actually make sure I kept a piece aside, and yeah. so that I had it to put on there. Yes. Yeah, yeah. managing that where all the paintings are that's something I'd love to learn from you a little bit more is mm-hmm. like how do you keep track of everything because I know that you have a very analytical brain and you do mm-hmm. like to track things and yeah. you told me once that you have a, a spreadsheet where <laughs> so you can figure out all your costs and margins yeah like how do you keep track of where everything is and who needs what um well that's not as fancy as my spreadsheet I've just got <laughs> I've just got notes on my wall it's probably more than a lot of people have I love that actually I think you know I think we often when we come to this art game later in life because I came to it later in life as well after I'd run other businesses mm-hmm. how valuable it's been to have yeah. that business experience because yeah. you are doing putting more attention on keeping the books and mm-hmm. following your costs and checking in to see what you know is what I'm charging viable yeah is this yeah. a viable business yeah yeah mm. definitely it's there's a lot to consider and oh, my dad's really a really good businessman so mm-hmm. I think I've got a fair bit from him and I talk to him every now and then and I sort of gauge things on what he sort of says so if he were to go oh that you know I don't think it's a good idea to cut back your hours at work to do your art I'd be listening to him because I'd be like oh maybe I'm not ready yet but when it came down to it he was like you need to cut back your hours so that you can Oh, that's you know, so great. Yeah, so yeah. that was like really, um, it gave me that boost to know that I was on the right track. Yeah, um, to hear it, that from someone you respect so much as a business person. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, I knew that it felt right to me, but you need to be able to bring in enough money to cover the mortgage. So Yeah, <laughs> so life's to, life. to fill that story out a little bit, mm. um, not only is your dad a wonderful businessman, but you've worked alongside him mm-hmm. and been business partners with him yeah. in your past. So can you speak a little bit about that? Because you made it sound like you've been a full-time mum for oh. 20 odd years and that is not true that's no one part of my life apart <laughs> yeah. from the working yeah. various business ventures <laughs> yes yeah well I was a hairdresser for 13 years full-time and my sister and I had um, a salon together but dad was like a part owner in that as well so I've always worked with family and then after that we bought homeware store and right. started that from scratch so that was just a few years and then I've been working in their retail business. Dad bought, um, it's like a Tatsotto yeah. news agents mixed business. He bought that when I was five. And it started out as a really tiny little business, just like a kiosk. And it's now fills three big shops. So he's grown it. He knows what he's doing. So. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So I was supposed to take that over when he <laughs> retired. But 
things have changed a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) That's so lovely that he still he still said to you to go follow your dream and Mm. do this because was my biggest fear, wasn't it? Steph, I talked to Steph about this. I was worried about letting him down, and um, you know, like I was really nervous about Mm. having that chat with him. But just along the way, I've kind of talked to him about everything that's been going on, and so when it come down to it, he actually said to me you need to cut back your hours and you need to follow that. your dream. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he, yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. It was really nice. It was really good. So I think I can't, don't think you can overestimate the power of having the blessing of someone like that in your life. Cause mm. that could potentially have really held you back. Yeah. It was it, in my mind. It was, it was my biggest hurdle for a while. Mm. And then, yeah. Then having that chat with him, made all the difference and I was just like all right I'm doing this I'm doing it (laughs) and you've done it when was this conversation (sighs) well that that was when I cut back my hours probably in June yeah and now you're not working in that business at all is your full-time I'm still doing a little bit in there Uh um I've been actually working in there quite a lot the last eight weeks to cover holidays because there's not enough stuff Uh, yeah but um yeah, the plan is to sort of ease out of there within the next few months, I think. And your son works in the business as well. He does. It's like, and yeah. your uncle. Yeah? And my uncle, yeah. It's a whole <laughs> family, family affair. affair. I've worked with that. every one of my family. My mum is in there sometimes as well. So I'm, the only person I haven't worked with is my brother. Okay. <laughs> and I haven't worked with my husband either. So in the art business, it's just you. How does that feel? It feels good. Yeah. I've got control over everything. Mm, yeah. <laughs> it's also kind of like a bit stressful because it all comes down to me. Mm. But um, I do try to get my daughter helping me with some things, but she's not very keen. <laughs> yeah. I dream of my children growing up and becoming my studio assistants, but the older they get, the more I doubt how wise that actually is. <laughs> yeah. I know. I love that we're fairly similar ages. Well, we are. But I'm a little bit older. Such- different stages of motherhood I know I was mm. and it's it's like when I remember when Steph told me for the first time that you were our age but your kids were grown up I was like oh man I'm so jealous <laughs> 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 just to be just I mean because I, my day kind of ends at three o'clock yeah and I have to go and get the kids and ferry mm. them around to their activities etc which isn't all bad like I think it's actually been kind of nice for me have being a bit of workaholic by nature to have some kind of yeah. external force go you have to stop work and yes. wind down for a couple of hours oh, yeah. before you know and the day so the day ends earlier and I think it's actually been good but there are times when I just wish it was just me and I didn't have to be doing that stuff <laughs> yeah for sure when I do really struggle with that the knocking off do you yeah do you work quite late at night yeah I'm trying not to it I've I used to do it more when I was working more and, and that sort of has crept back in the last few weeks, but I've really been trying to knock off like the dinner time or whatever. And it's not, it's not that healthy to be working till midnight every night. No, it's not. But you know, I remember when things first took off for me in mm. my art business, I remember doing exactly the same thing and it wasn't even an effort. It was just so exciting yeah. and compelling at the time. And mm-hmm. 
I just, I don't know about you, but I was just kind of in a vague state of disbelief that all of this was happen- actually happening. That's basically been me all year. Yeah, yeah. and I think in a way <laughs> you've just got to ride that energy and just let yeah. it play out and, mm. you know, and then notice when perhaps you might be starting to tip over into burnout, which is kind of mm-hmm. the next thing that can happen when you're doing it for a bit long. And I know yeah. I did that to myself, but um, but I'm getting better at not repeating it. Yeah. yeah. Mm. yeah I'm sort of at the point now where I feel like knocking off at the end of the day like I don't feel like I need to keep painting but I just want to keep painting and lose track of time Mm -hmm. so I'm kind of enjoying the balance now Mm. yeah Yeah. Mm. a bit of time off you have another side to your art business that I'm really interested in like Mm -hmm. Susan you do a bit of licensing and Mm. you actually have like from my perspective, um, a dream licensing project where you've had a jigsaw made by Journey of Something. Yeah. I'm really interested to hear how that came about and you, how you're exploring that and what mm-hmm. that looks like now. Yes, yeah, so that was actually something that came about, I think, because I got my work in that first shop. Because right. they, I think, they didn't actually tell me how they came across me, but this is you know, what I've just assumed because it wasn't that long after I put work in there that they just sent me an email and said, oh, do you want to, you know, can we buy one of your images for a jigsaw? And I hadn't even heard of them at that point. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. And that all happened within a couple of days. But then it took about three months before the jigsaw came out. And in that time I realised, you know, this is a pretty cool opportunity that I had. It's happened a few times where I haven't realised how good the opportunity is that I've taken until later. Because mm-hmm. I'm very new to all this and I'm only still learning. And I didn't even know Brighton was like a good place to get your work into. I didn't know it was a fancy suburb. I'm like very naive with that stuff. <laughs> no, I, I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm like, I am really lucky. And mm. I just didn't know it at the time. But anyway, that went a bit off track. Um, <laughs> I love your off track. No, they're the kinds of things that are lovely. Yeah. They're the juicy yeah. bits. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, so journey of something. Yeah, that was a really good opportunity. Um, I think it's just the exposure that you get from having your work out there with that sort of thing. And it's such a lovely brand. They work mm. with... Yeah. really wonderful artists they're very trendy like yeah. it's it's a real sort of statement I've done your jigsaw uh-huh. well I had food poisoning a couple of weeks ago I uh-huh. sat and did your jigsaw and it's beautiful <laughs> thank you so you also have another product range is this something you produce yourself the tea towels like what's the yeah. go with that yeah yeah I just um contacted a um, manufacturer and just decided to get some done see how they went yeah. So, yeah, I've got some more coming out in a couple of weeks. And where did that idea come from and how's it gone? Well, I have never-ending ideas, so... <laughs> <laughs> it's just one of them, I don't know. I don't know where it came from. But they, just... sell, they, they sold out quickly, yeah? yeah? Yeah. Yeah, they did. It was really good. But I'm getting some new designs done with those. I want to keep it fresh, I don't know... I, I, I think that's a really anything. wise way to do it. I mean, the company I think of in terms of art tea towels is Third Drawdown, who was sort yeah. of the first ones that were doing sort of those limited edition tea towels. And yeah. I think it's a good idea to start, kind of keep it fresh and mm. make each one a bit of a collector's item and it just kind yeah. of, yeah, yeah, raises the 
the feeling of value, I guess, around each time that you do an addition. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's mm. fantastic. I just saw the tea towels yesterday when I was having a little look around the website. Adorable. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have any work for sale on your website? Well, um, obviously, if you have a backlog of people waiting for paintings, you don't have a lot sitting around. So how do you use your website? Um, I don't really use it very much at the moment. <laughs> I'm working on that. I've got one piece for sale on there at the moment, but um, I'm actually currently working on a range of like minis to get on there. Christmas hopefully within the next week or two I don't all get snapped up by retailers these ones are just for my website I've set them aside just for their website because oh yeah I've got some for the retail some for my website it's it's hard because I do want to put stuff on my website people asking me all the time but it's only so much I can do absolutely and it's a very time-consuming job photographing and uploading stuff so I can totally see the attraction yeah. selling through retailers because you don't have to do that part of yeah, the job shipping. where <coughs> shipping is shipping. something I love handing off mm. like sending a big box of paintings to someone and they take care of all the rest yeah that's yeah. a real release yeah. yeah yeah and I'm getting prints done at oh. the moment I'm oh, in awesome. the process of having a few pieces photographed and you have your own beautiful printer don't you do you use yes. that or have you decided to outsource I am outsourcing, so I can do some really big pieces. Lovely. Um, but I might still do the smaller ones myself at home. Mm-hmm. I'm still figuring that out. Yeah. Um, now, have you found a photographer in Ballarat that can do that very high-resolution no. photography? You've had to go to Melbourne? Yeah, I've, I've gone to the place that do all my canvases and framing. They also do printing. And who's okay. that? Southern Boy. Lovely, because people will want to know. Well, that's <laughs> yeah. sure. Southern Boy, yeah. Yeah, you can totally, yeah. everyone is just going to want to know. So yeah. you're free to let them know I always get messaged about that. Yeah. So, yeah, I went for a drive the other day and took down four big pieces and so they're getting photographed at the moment and, and they just take care of it all. Like, if I get an order, I just let them know and then they'll ship it all off and everything. So That's Gee, how'd you get past the, the ring of steel to Melbourne? Just, they waved me through. Really? <laughs> I was like, oh, the ring of steel isn't so steel. It isn't. <laughs> I was nervous about it too. I was like, yeah. Is my reason valid enough to win a Oh, I look to forward to hearing how the prints go for you. Yeah, yeah it's a whole thanks. other thing and a big investment. So I totally yeah. understand. Yeah, it'd be yeah. interesting. Mm, yeah. But it's something I've been asked a lot about. So it was about time. But it's it's kind of a tricky thing because. You know, it takes a bit of work to get your work photographed mm-hmm. and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and you need that work. You can't, like, you know, you're trying to make work to send to all the shops and commissions and everything. So you've got to sort of make extra work on top of that just to be made into prints. First world problems, right? Yeah. No, but <laughs> it's actually really tricky to mm-hmm. do a painting with the pressure of knowing that it's going to be made into a print and hoping that a lot of people are going to like it. That's the problem, and I know this from experience, yeah. is I can never pick which one is going to be the one that sells really well. Yes. So, yeah. And I do have – I do a lot of licensing as well, so I do have a lot of my work professionally mm. photographed now so that I can be sending updates to all of my licensing partners, etc. Yeah, yeah. So it has value in other ways. And also just so that I know that I've got those high-resolution prints yeah. because some of the jobs, the licensing gigs I've had, they've picked stuff from like four years ago or five years ago that 
I wasn't professionally photographing, so yeah, I've, you know, I yeah. have photo, have decent DSLR photos, but not of the quality that you get with yeah, yeah. those mm. um, that photography that you get done when you have a print made. So, mm. yeah, it's a tricky thing knowing what to invest your money in because it really adds up when you're getting yeah. a lot of work done. Yeah, yeah. So, do you think that you'll continue to go down this avenue of selling through retailers, or are you hoping that you'll sell more work? independently do you have a bit of a vision for how you'd like things to evolve down the track yeah i think i i really do want to be selling more through my website and that sort of thing but i i love selling through the retailers so that'll continue i want to start painting a lot more bigger pieces so Mm. that's sort of what i had envisioned for next year like i just i really like working big and a lot of the pieces i sell to the shops are minis Mm -hmm. and they take nearly just as long they do Oh gosh, it drives me mental at the moment, but um, <laughs> I just want to get on a big canvas and just be like, don't do big strokes and yeah, I I'm totally stuck doing these that. tiny little things. I love painting large too. Yeah. There's something about the freedom of just slapping on heaps of yes. coloured paint. It's yeah. very satisfying. Yeah, it is. Mm. Mm. But then when you sell it, you have to ship it and that's a whole other thing. Yeah. <laughs> So I wanted to just talk to you about something that happened a while ago on Instagram mm-hmm. where a someone wrote in and it was an Indigenous woman accusing you of appropriating Aboriginal imagery yeah. in your work. And my first reaction was, oh, wow, really? I would never have made that connection, but mm-hmm. clearly she did. And you actually conducted yourself through that process beautifully. I thought you very openly went you know, repost and said, look, this is what's happened. I actually don't, I've never intended to copy any Indigenous work, Mm -hmm. but, you know, I'm open to hearing if I have accidentally done that unconsciously. Yeah. So do you want to talk us through that process? Because I know it affected you and, um, you know, and that's the kind of thing that can potentially shut us down as artists. So I'd love for you to just speak to that a bit and tell us about that experience and how it has affected your work ongoing. Yeah, so it was a bit of a... A shock I felt a bit sick about that because it as you said it wasn't my intentions at all um, but it really made me think a lot about what I'm creating um, and as much as it was not a pleasant experience at all um, I feel like it's sort of helped me with my next level of painting like it's allowing me to grow as an artist I sort of took it as that uh, instead of just completely shutting down and taking it negatively I decided to take it as a learning experience Mm. and um yeah it really at first I was like well I don't know how to paint if I don't paint like this Mm, because that's the tricky thing isn't it like when it feels like it's something that just naturally comes from you and then someone says to you hang on I think you've actually taken this from my culture I mean Mm. that must have been very confronting but obviously you've looked at your imagery and thought really carefully about well have I done that at an unconscious level I just think this is a really interesting topic for a lot of artists yeah yeah Mm. so I did do my research a lot and there was like a couple of little marks that that I can see you know that Mm -hmm. they could have taken it in that way not my intentions whatsoever Mm -hmm. but it, it just taught me what I shouldn't be doing Right. Okay. Um, But yeah, it's actually been really. uh, After that first week, my journey's been really fun. I've been really loving sort of taking it to the next level, Um, and yeah, pushed myself out of 
my little comfort zone that I was in. I, I don't know if I would have done it if this didn't happen. And I probably would still be, you know, creating the same sort of thing. But now I'm liking it better, what I'm creating. So I, it kind of feels like it was meant to happen in a way. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind loving of... what you're doing at the moment too. Like, And I feel like exactly what you've said, that you've taken it to the next level. And mm. isn't it interesting, like as artists, we often need some kind of an uncomfortable experience to push us out of yeah. that, that comfort zone that you're talking about. Yeah. Especially yeah. when we're having a lot of commercial success Mm. with what we're doing it's you know underlying all of that is like really like for me as an artist the most important thing is that I'm continuing to grow yeah so I love that that's been what this experience has ultimately generated yeah so recently you did a podcast about um your style as an artist Mm -hmm. and I related to it really like it came just exactly at the right time for me because I was changing a lot and a little bit nervous about it had some really good feedback on instagram but you know that when it comes down to actually selling your work it's kind of like oh are people still gonna want to buy it you know Mm -hmm. but um i feel really good about it and one thing i learned is is like people fit every art style you know like everyone's there's a lot of different people that are attracted Mm -hmm. to different things so while it may be different people that are liking my new art I'm sure there's going to be people that still like it absolutely yeah I can completely relate to that because mm. I shift and chop around and change a lot in the kind yeah. of work that I do and some of it is more popular than others and something that I often keep in mind particularly coming from a background of at retail as you have mm-hmm. is that by the time something ends up in a retail environment and a particular idea or a zeitgeist that you're sort of on and it's become popular by the time it gets to that level it's actually usually the germination of that has happened usually a couple of years before Mm -hmm. so and and part of our job as artists is to be the ones that that guide the stylistic direction and bring in those new styles and and I think it's important to remember that why while people might not immediately respond to what you're creating that it might just be that there's a little bit of lag time before they catch up with you. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. And that can just be helpful to keep in mind as an artist. Mm. Mm. Yes. Good advice. I'm springing this on you a little bit, Rach, but I wondered if you had any advice for people just starting out their mm-hmm. journey of selling their art. I know you probably feel like you're still a fledgling, mm-hmm. but to me, you're so far ahead and like have, you've achieved some things that I would love to achieve. So what, what yeah. advice would you give someone like me who's starting to explore similar pathways? Um, oh, that's a tricky one. Yeah, it is. Uh, I know, we could have a minute to think. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'd, if you just keep painting what what feels good, it just flows. Like, I'm honestly, like, everything for me in this past year has just flowed and that's why I said I feel like it's a bit of a fluke because I feel like I've just come into these things without like uh, any sort of effort, like real effort, if you know what I mean. Like I'm putting it out there into the world and just hoping that it all flows back. So I'm, I really believe in the whole mm. what you put out um, comes back to you. So I think if you just put everything into what you're painting, um, be consistent and yeah like 
And paint 260 plus paintings in a year. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so minimum. the prolific part probably has worked quite well for you. Yeah. And I'm a big believer in, like, you paint your way to, like, your own style and your own success. Like, yeah. that repetition, I think, is important too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I think so. Someone messaged me the other day and asked, what would I, what advice would I give for somebody who, they're not selling their work, but they want to make it into a career? And I... I just said, just keep painting, like as if every one of those paintings has got a home to go to. It will eventually have a home to go to. And when um, the time comes where, you know, people are wanting to buy it, you'll have heaps of work to give them. Like that's that was my mindset at the start of lockdown because I thought, well, I'm not going um, to be able to sell anything for a while now because of lockdown. I didn't have any idea what was going to happen. So I thought, I'm just going to work on painting and building up a collection and I didn't really get a chance to make a collection before it started selling but I think if you just keep your eye on what you want to achieve then it just sort of seems to fall into place. Uh, What I love most about your story is how you weren't attached in any way to how it would start selling and what avenue would present it. You really did just allow avenues to present themselves and followed them and I think your story is such a beautiful example of uh, following your flow Mm. and staying with the flow and trusting the flow. Yeah. It's just an absolute testament to that whole process that we both believe in, but can be very hard to believe in if you're not yet seeing Mm. results from what you're doing, you know? I totally, Mm. totally agree. This time last year, I wouldn't have, any idea that what's happened would actually happen this year but um I just knew that I wanted to give it everything so yeah that's just what I did it's been a funny old year I love though that you you kind of epitomize the myth of the overnight success because we're talking about a year and Mm. that makes you think wow like Rach just decided to start painting less than a year ago and now she's like thriving. But the reality is you've spent a very long time being a creative person, honing mm. your eye, and that you really began painting four years ago. Yeah. And it was that it, when you had like a full-time job and being a mum and all those other things, but you just kept exploring all the threads that revealed and yeah. that led you to this place. So the main thing that changed was my mindset. Like, well, tell I us just... about that. Yeah, it was just a matter of deciding that it's what I wanted to do. But it wasn't just that. It was realising that it was actually possible. Because I didn't think that it was possible for a long time. I didn't think that I would ever be able to be an artist full time. And you know what changed it? I started listening to your podcast. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And Laura's that's so nice so it was yeah a year ago just I think I listened to a couple of Laura's and I binged like I was just like oh my gosh these are people just like me that have maybe started a bit later and it just made me realize that it was actually possible I it was like an epiphany I was just like oh my god I can actually do this you know do you think it was also because there were people in your town yeah it I think it like, makes a difference when you're in the country to know that there are people in your local community that are yeah. making a goal of something. Yeah, mm. yeah. And just, 
I don't know, it was people that maybe, you know, did have different careers and they weren't just an artist from the very start. And mm. I mean, I started out at uni doing uh, visual arts and I dropped did down you? after six months. Oh. Yeah. It wasn't for me. But um, I we always... Just, we understand that. why. <laughs> did you listen to that episode? Of I did, I did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I always kind of felt like I was a bit like, you know, I could never be an artist properly because I didn't go through with all of that. I don't know. But, yeah, it just listening to all those podcasts and all the real people that are making art their career was like a game changer. Oh, it that's was lovely like, to hear. Yeah. Mm. It was really good. Awesome. So. Thanks, guys. Thank you. That feels like a nice sort of natural place to end today's conversation. Thanks so much for coming in, Rach. Thank you for having me. It's just delightful to hear your story, and I know it's going to be super inspirational for so many artists out there to hear about what's happened for you in the past year and everything that you've shared today, that you're a wonderful artist, and I'm so excited to hear what's going to happen next for you. It's really wonderful. Thank you so much. What an honour to be here. Oh, like crazy. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening in. I just was going to read a quick review from a listener. We have had a gorgeous one from Roz Gervais. She writes... Susan Nethercote's podcast is my all-time favorite art podcast. I adore the practical episodes on life as a working artist from discussions about first exhibitions to how to use your Pinterest to promote your art business. Her episodes on the spiritual side of art practice are so grounding. I deeply respect her approach to art making and beliefs around creativity and cannot convey clearly enough how generous and impactful these episodes are. Suze's artist interview sessions are also a great listen. This podcast comes highly recommended. Once you start, you won't be able to stop. It is second to none. Thank you so much, Roz, for that absolutely beautiful review. We so appreciate when anyone takes the time to go and leave reviews for us on Apple Podcasts. So if you have the time to pop on over, we'd really appreciate that. But thanks for being with us today, everyone. And thanks, Rach, for coming in. Thank you. And thanks, Steph, for making the magic happen. And we'll see you next week. Bye. 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 You can always see more of my art over at susannethercote.com and if you're interested in learning from me or checking out the podcast notes, you can find those over on susannethercotestudio.com. I love hearing your comments and feedback, so feel free to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing, then why not snap a screenshot and share it in your Instagram stories. Be sure to tag me at susan.nethercote so I can say hi. And if you've got a great idea for a future podcast episode or know someone who you think I should interview, then pop on over to susannethercotestudio.com forward slash podcast, hit the button in the header image to shoot me an email. Catch you next time.